Uh, the, you know, it's Christmas, and obviously, as a pastor, I'm supposed to preach about Christmas. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because we often look at Christmas, and it's what we showed last week. Luke chapter 2, we get the, the picture of angels and shepherds and mangers and innkeepers and, and, and all these things. And, you know, as, as I was preparing this week, I was just trying to look, you know, at, at what the Scriptures say for Christmas. And really, there's three places in the Gospels where you see Christmas. Uh, two are a little bit more obvious than the third one. Luke chapter 2 is where we get most of our Christmas play material. Okay, that's where we get most of the story. Matthew chapter 1. Uh, it's interesting, in Matthew chapter 1, we see just a little bit. In Matthew chapter 1, we get just a little bit of Joseph's uh, visitation from the angel... He wakes up after the angel visits him. It says that he takes Mary uh, and and the baby is born. And that's the end of the story. I mean, it's just just that quick. And then the third place is in John. And most people don't necessarily see the Christmas story in John. But I feel like John this morning is is where I, I want to be because it just brings a completely different perspective to something that we've heard lots. I believe, I won't give you the theory from men's Bible study, but I believe there's reasons why each, each gospel brings just a different perspective on the story. And let me tell you, the story of Jesus with the, with the angels and with the, the shepherds and, and all that stuff, it's an absolutely remarkable story. I'm not diminishing how incredible that is. But I think we know that. I think we could tell that this morning without turning in our Bibles. And so what I wanted to do was, as I was reading in the Gospels this week, and I got to John chapter 1, and I said, man, this is just a a totally different perspective. This is the Christmas story, but, boy, it's coming from from a different direction. And, And I was reading through John chapter 1, and, And I got to a particular verse, and it grabbed me. And I said, wow, that's the message of Christmas for our church uh, this this year. And so if you'll turn, I want to read John chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 16 verses of that chapter. Um, And and I just want us to look at this. This is a Christmas story. And you're going to say, Pastor, this doesn't seem like a Christmas story. There's no wise men fighting. I mean, where's the Christmas story? But I want you to follow with me this morning because God has a word for you today. God has a word that that I believe is for all of us to embrace when it comes to the idea of Christmas. Father, I pray for your word this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to look at your word. I thank you for the truth that is the word of God. And I pray, God, that as we look at the word, you bring a fresh perspective. I pray, God, that in the context of Christmas, in the context of family and gifts and mangers and nativities, God, that this is a fresh perspective on what you desire for us to know. God, we yield ourselves to you. God, I pray for each person in this room that they would just allow their, their self to be set aside so they could hear from you this day. Our ears, our hearts, our minds. For myself, God, as I preach the word, I pray it's your word coming through me. You're anointing your grace and truth presented to this church in Jesus' name. Amen. 
John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightened every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. Verse 11 He came to his own. And those who were his own did not receive him, but as many received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. There's a Christmas story right there. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory of, of, as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me, for of his fullness we have all received. And grace upon grace. I think there was a part of that that got left out. So I'm going to read it in in my translation, which is a little bit different. Verse 16. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. You know, why did John, when he was writing this gospel, when, when he was putting the gospel thing together, you know, Luke was very consumed with the details. And so he takes us and we see uh, John being conceived and we see Jesus and, and, and how this is all taking place, that, that they're with child and, and Elizabeth and Mary get together and we see the details. Matthew, he starts talking just with Joseph's vision and he goes, boom, there's a, there's a baby, we're done. I mean, and, and then here in John, John starts somewhere. Why does John start? John chapter, chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. And the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that light was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 10, He was in the world, and Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. John wants us to recognize something different. You see, I think sometimes we look at the manger scene and we remember Jesus as a baby. But John says, I got to start before this. And so when I tell you about Jesus... When I bring the message of Jesus Christ to you, I want you to recognize that Jesus 
is absolutely eternal. His perspective is different. It's not starting. There's nothing wrong with Luke saying that Jesus was born in a manger. But the problem we have is we see a baby and we know when a baby began. And so sometimes that perspective causes us to limit who Jesus Christ truly is. So we look and we see a baby and then there's a beginning. No, John's saying in the beginning was the Word. The Word later becomes flesh. So the Word is Jesus Christ. Not only was He in the beginning, but what happened? He was the way at which God created everything, right? God spoke, let there be light. Jesus is absolutely eternal. John wants you to recognize when you read his gospel that that Jesus is everlasting. All things were made through him. He was in the world, though the world was made through him. In him was life. The source of life is in Jesus Christ. It was in him. And that life became the light of the world. John wants us to start by recognizing the reality of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 and 13 of John chapter 1. I want to ask you, what are you getting for Christmas? Because John chapter 1 verse 12 says, Yet to all who received Him, to all those who believed in His name, He what? He gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but they are born of God. Jesus Christ is absolutely eternal. He is the source of life. Through Him all things were made. And He gave you. What are you getting for Christmas? Because He gave you the right to be called what? A child of God. I don't know what that package looks like. What are you getting for Christmas? Because through Jesus Christ absolutely comes grace. What is grace? We're going to talk about grace this morning. The grace of God is revealed that that I'm now called a child of God, not a son of man. That I'm no longer Steve, who, who is the child of Robert Mallory, but I'm a son of the Almighty, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I'm a new creation in Him. That's the absolute grace, the unmerited favor of God that's been given to me. Through Jesus Christ comes your right to be a child of God. What are you getting for Christmas? Because I said John chapter 1 verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's the Christmas story. That's Luke summarized in about eight words. I'm glad I didn't have to write a play on that one. There wouldn't be as many parts for kids to mess up. There wouldn't be as many opportunities for for wise men to fight with each other, or shepherds to knock each other down with their staffs. The Word became flesh. 
John doesn't want you to miss that reality that the Word did become flesh through Jesus Christ. The Word of God became flesh, and He made His, His dwelling among us. It doesn't contradict that Mary was, was, was given the child. It doesn't change what the Holy Spirit did in her. But He said, I need you to know that the Word, the everlasting, became flesh. The one who gives became flesh. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father. How did He come? Full of grace and truth. The Word that was everlasting, that's Jesus Christ, became flesh. John said, I want you to recognize that when Jesus became flesh... He was full of grace and truth. Well, I'm going to find grace in the one who's full of grace. Not the one who's void of grace. I'm going to find truth in the one who's full of truth, not the one who doesn't know truth. Jesus Christ, the Word that was, the Word that was used to speak everything we know into existence, became flesh, and He was full of grace and truth. Why? So He could offer it to you. So, what are you getting for Christmas? John chapter 1, verse 15 says, John testifies concerning Him, crying out, saying, This is He of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace. And I want to pause. From the fullness of his grace. Now what was Jesus' grace defined as? The fullness. From the fullness of his grace, he says. And, And I'm telling you, as I read these verses, that was one that, I just really couldn't get away from the fullness of His grace. And I thought back, oh, it was about, well, I don't know because of all the days we've missed and how crazy it's been December. About three sermons ago, I'll just say it that way, we had a sermon on peace. And the concept of biblical peace and the reality that peace really meant wholeness. It meant complete Shalom was the word in the Old Testament. And so what I see is that from the completeness, the wholeness, the fullness of grace, grace is absolutely made whole in Him. Apart from Him, you cannot be complete. Apart from the fullness, it is not there. He absolutely is the Prince of Peace. Because through Him, the fullness of of grace is. In Ephesians chapter 1, it tells us what we see in the fullness. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, in His incomparable great power for those who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In the fullness of him, there is hope that you may know the hope at which he called you. In the fullness of him, there are riches of his glorious inheritance. There is incomparable great power for those who believe. There is the one who fills everything in every way. What are you getting for Christmas? Because he promises us, from the fullness of his grace, we have received, in in the King James it says, grace upon grace. I read that and I said, Grace upon grace. What? I mean, God's grace. How do you add to grace? What, what, what is grace? What, what is grace upon grace? Like, if His grace is complete, then how do we add something? I mean, it's like adding, you know, we get to these upper level math classes and you've got to multiply by infinity. And you're like, well, how do you make infinity bigger? Because infinity is already big. You know, I mean, I got a degree in calculus, and so you're doing like infinity times infinity, and it's like, well, what does that make sense? Because it's all just infinity. You know what I mean? Like, how do you add to something that is absolutely complete? It's whole. But John says, from his perspective, when he shares this message, from his perspective, when, he, when he's sharing his part of the story, he needs you to recognize that Jesus Christ is absolutely eternal, that he was in the beginning, that through him all things were made, but that he was full of grace and truth. Why? Because he wants to offer you something for Christmas. Grace Upon grace, I read this, it's a, it's a study, it's called Barnes's Notes on the Bible, and he had some, some four different theories on what this means. We've received under the gospel grace or favor instead of those granted under the law, and that God has provided by the gospel important favors to those which he gave under the law. The first, this was first pr- proposed by some uh, scholar back in the early church. We... And and his second thing was we Christians have received grace answering to or corresponding to that which is in Jesus Christ. We are like him in meekness, humility, etc. The third one, we've received grace as grace, that is freely. We have not purchased it nor deserve it, but God has conferred it to us freely. And fourth, he said the meaning is probably simply that we receive through him abundance of grace or favor. The Hebrews, in expressing the superlative for degree of comparison, you simply repeat the word thus, pits, pits, meaning many pits. So here, grace for grace, or grace upon grace, may mean much grace, superlative 
favors bestowed on man. Favors superior to all that have been under the law. Superior to all other things that God can confer on men. These favors that consist in pardon, redemption, protection, sanctification, peace, here, in heaven, hereafter. See, what, what this writer was saying, I, he, he believes, and, and I, I will say this morning, I believe that God wants you to understand there is grace upon grace. There's an abundance of His grace to be revealed in your life. I think we stop with grace. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, we accept that we've been given the right to be called children of God, and we love that. That's a remarkable privilege. But we stop with the manger. We stop with grace, and we never discover the grace upon. We never discover this. He talked in abundance of grace that God desires for you to have. We're very content with the present that we got. You know, my kids, we did our presents yesterday because we're going to Kentucky and, you know, I don't want to take presents with us. Have you ever seen a kid that was satisfied when all the presents were open? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, my kids can have 450 presents under the stinking tree. And when they open that 450 present, they're looking for the next one. Why aren't we doing that with God? Why aren't we looking for every present under the tree? Man, I'm going to read that verse in the Amplified. John chapter 1, verse 16. For out of His fullness, the superabundance of His grace and truth, we have received, we have all, we have all received grace upon grace. That is spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. What are you getting for Christmas? Because God wants you to hear this morning, He has an offer not just of grace. If you've never experienced the grace of God, I desire that you experience what Jesus Christ did. The life and the light that came to the world through Him. That is absolute grace. If you've experienced the grace of God, I desire this morning that you long for, that you seek after the grace upon the blessings upon blessings, the superabundance of His blessings and truth. Why? Why, why are we okay? It's just enough. I realize it's an incredible treasure. I realized that when I became a new creation in Christ Jesus and I recognized where I was and where I am, that was more than enough. But I want to tell you, God's got more than more than enough. God's got grace upon grace for you this morning. David Jeremiah wrote on this. This is for you, Casey. I know you like David Jeremiah. 
John 1.16 drives home this unusual phrase. And of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. And when you read that the first time, it sounds as though some words are missing, but the actual Greek phrase is grace, anti-grace. The word anti is a Greek preposition that can have several meanings. The New King James Version translated for, um, translates it for, but most linguists prefer using the word upon. Out of the fullness of his own grace, Jesus gives us grace upon grace. Grace on top of grace. He says, think of the ocean surf. One wave coming after another in endless succession. In his commentary, John F. F. Bruce uh, says that the followers of Christ draw from the ocean of divine fullness of grace upon grace. One wave of grace that is constantly replaced by a fresh one. There is no limit to the supply of grace which God has placed at his people's disposal in Christ. Like the clouds of Noah's days that kept pouring out rain, the granaries in Joseph's days that held endless reserves of grain, the rock in the wilderness that kept pouring out water, the the cruise of oil in Elijah's time that kept issuing oil, the cup in Psalm 23 that kept overflowing. We have lost the reality of the abundance of grace, the superabundance of grace that God desires for us to have. Man, I sit there and I wonder, am I living in the fullness of grace? Or am I just rationing this stuff? Just enough to get me through the day, Lord. Just enough to get me to church this little morning, Lord. I need God's grace on Sunday mornings, you know what I'm saying? My wife knows exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Why are we okay with not enough or just enough? Why are we content? You know, as a parent, think of this. You give your kid that first present. And you know there's more. And he gets a pair of socks. Greatest socks in the world. And you try and get him to open another present, and all he wants to do is put on his socks. That's never happened, I know. But I'm just saying. Just, just imagine with me for a moment. And your kid won't open up any more presents because he loves his socks and his socks are just enough? Mom, you're the greatest mom in the world. These are the best socks ever. See, I can preach this now. I'm done. Mom's Christmas covered. Just give him socks. Nothing else. How would you feel as a parent when you know there's more gifts And you know why those gifts are there? And you know the joy that you expected to come through that gift? But your child just wanted to put on his socks. That drives me nuts. 
I grab my kids and make them open the next present. You know what I mean? Come here. We're ripping this present open. You guys see what's in here. It's a rocket ship. It's going to make you happy. You can save room. No, Dad, I just want my socks. You like them? Jesus Christ is eternal. He was in the beginning. Through him all things were made. The word became flesh and made his dwellness, or made his... uh, Dwelling among us. In him was the fullness of grace and truth. Through the fullness of his grace, he is offering you grace upon grace. Psalm chapter 68, verse 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us up with benefits. The God of our salvation. Earlier in that chapter in Ephesians, chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with what? His pleasure and will. It's God's will for you to experience grace upon grace. To the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of what? God's grace. It's an extravagant grace that God has. That he has lavished on us. I don't want you to raise your hand. But at times I don't think we feel like God's lavished his grace on us. You know what I mean? And we wonder where God's grace is. The scripture says he's lavished his grace on you. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity, that's completeness, that's wholeness, that's peace to all things in heaven heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, that's to be children of God having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ's message when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with a seal, that is the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. I want to tell you this morning that God has grace upon grace He desires for you. Every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Joel said, what is that, Pastor? I don't know, but it sounds good. 
You ever just try something because it sounds good? You ask for it? I mean, my kids sometimes, they don't know what it is they're asking for, but every other kid wants it, so they want it too. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, God desires, His plan, His will, it said. His will is that you would be living in grace upon grace. That's His desire. That's His pleasure and will. You make God happy. It's not selfish to look for more grace. Continued in Ephesians chapter 2. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace, that is grace, you have been saved. And upon grace, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the upon grace, the grace upon, incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. What are you getting for Christmas this year? Let me tell you, your father has some presents for you this year. God desires his will, his heart, is incomparable riches of his grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Because what? We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. God wants to give you all the tools to do what he's called you to do. That we live. In grace. Praise the Lord. God's got grace upon for you this day. I want to read one more verse. Skip that first Peter verse. John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. And have it in abundance. To the full. Till it overflows. God wants your life. God wants life. Life that comes through Jesus Christ. To be to the full. I'm not saying that means you get to drive a new sports car and have the biggest house in town. But I'm saying God desires to reveal the fullness of His grace. He desires for you grace upon grace. Every spiritual blessing. That's joy. That's peace. That's comfort. God desires that. God desires for you to have healing. He desires for you to experience His presence. He desires to give you strength when you need strength. He desires for the fullness of His Holy Spirit to be revealed into you. The one who gives you power to do things you never dreamed possible. guys can come forward.
you didn't for Christmas this year. Crude analogy. Just chuckle, it's all right. Pam makes poppy seed bread every year for Christmas, and there's a poppy seed loaf here for everyone, so don't worry. I'm not going to talk about it, and you're not getting one. And the other night, Tam wanted to get rid of some to get some counter space, and so she drove around with her poppy seed bread, and we took them some places, and we dropped one off at Greg and Kathy's. And they received it. The fullness of poppy seed bread. And the next morning, Ryan was surprised to hear that Greg had not consumed any of the poppy seed bread yet. And Greg said, I wanted to save it. And ration it out. You know, like Pam was telling me about a story she read. I think it was a 50th wedding anniversary. You know how people have these crazy traditions where they freeze their cake and eat it at the next anniversary? This couple's done it for 50 years. And I don't know what that piece of cake tastes like. Now, I don't want to know what that piece of cake 50 years. And she said, now they can't really take much of a bite. They can pull a crumb off, you know? Because it's limited. It's going to run out. You know, and so often I think we treat the grace of God like we treat poppy seed bread. And we think that it's just going to run out. So we better savor this. Because it's going to be a long time until Christmas comes again. Pam's not going to make it in summer. So we just portion it out. Michelle hides it from Ryan. What if you knew there was a superabundance of poppy seed bread? You're going to enjoy it tonight, and you're going to enjoy it tomorrow. I want to tell you there's an abundance of God's grace. I want to tell you that God desires His will, His pleasure. That means it brings Him joy. That means that you can bring joy to the Father today by opening the gift that He wants you to receive. We don't have to ration the grace of God. It is, it is an ocean. It wants to come wave after wave after wave in your life. Boy, we get our feet wet and we're done. We put on our socks and that's enough. Boy, the Father wants you to have more. The Father desires for you to have more. But just like that grace you first received, you have to choose. Just like the first time that, that you recognized the, the, the Christ made flesh, that you recognized what God accomplished through Jesus Christ, the new life that was, you had to receive grace. you God's got grace upon grace for you. Boy, that knowledge should change the way we live. 
If you knew the money was never going to run out, you'd spend it a lot easier. Right? Super abundance. I'm guessing that means a lot. I'm not getting all theological. It just sounds like a lot. It's not running out. It's complete. The fullness of His grace has been made complete in Jesus Christ. The source is always there. Jesus Christ said, I'm not the poppy seed bread, but He said, I'm the bread of life. Alluding to the, to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness, and what did they have to do? Every day go out and receive what was theirs for that day. Every day go out and get that manna that was there. And then what did they have to do? Had to eat it. Didn't get to save it. What happened when they saved it? It rotted. It got nasty. Because he wanted them to recognize that the bread of life is available every day. There's grace for you today that was not there yesterday. And yesterday's grace is not enough for tomorrow. God's got grace upon grace for you. Will you receive it? Father, this morning, God, I thank you for this Christmas message, unique and different maybe, but absolutely true through John's perspective. God, I pray across this room, if there's anyone who doesn't understand even the the first gift, the grace that said, I have the right to be a child of God. God, I pray if that's the gift that you desire for us to receive this day, I pray for anyone who has not received that gift, that they would receive the gift from the Father. The one that says, through Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. The one that says, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross, the price for your sin was paid. God, for those of us who've received grace... I pray for the grace upon. God, you know us. Father, you know everyone in this room. And I said, what do you want for Christmas? Or what are you getting for Christmas? But God, you know what each of us needs. God, you know that gift that is an absolute joy in our life. You know that gift that will bring us fulfillment. You know that gift that we absolutely need this day. And so, God, for everyone in this room, I pray a gift of your grace. I pray, God, grace upon grace in their lives. God, for whatever situation, whatever circumstance it might be, God, whatever spiritual blessing they may have need of, they might need encouragement. God, they might need strength. They might need hope. They might need love. They might need simply a reminder that you care for them. I pray, God, for that gift of grace for each one of us. For every one of us this day. And God, I pray because I know your word and your word is true. And you said it's your will. This is your will, your pleasure and will for each one of us. That you're offering everyone 
the gift of your grace. One for today, and there'll be one for tomorrow, and there'll be one to come. Wave after wave. I pray that we receive, God. God, I pray that we receive what you're offering. And I pray for the heart of a child when it comes to the grace of God. God, I pray that I would continue to seek after and continue to long for more and more. What's next? Because I know my Father loves me. And I know it brings Him joy to give. Help us to receive your grace upon. In Jesus' name. This morning is Walt and Carrie, I guess Tam's up there, they'll lead us in a chorus. I'm here if you want to pray. If you want to say, Pastor, I don't even know what you're talking about all the way, but I know I want something. I want an opportunity to pray with you. Give me one second, Angie. Angie's got something too she wants to share. I'll let her share that right before they leave. But I, I just want to... If you've got other needs, circumstances, God cares about you. You're a child of God. He desires to give you good things. He, he wants to take care of those situations that are weighing on you. He wants to, to touch those in your lives who need to be touched. It's an opportunity for us to pray together. It's an opportunity for us to come together. But I want you to receive the fullness of His grace, the completeness of His grace this morning. What are you getting for Christmas this year? I hope your father has a surprise beyond your comprehension waiting for you. Your name on it. A gift from the father that he knows you need today. And I hope you recognize the fullness of his love and what he gives you. The heart of the father and what he demonstrates. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you recognize grace upon grace. Amen? Be blessed.